Hey guys, welcome to Wedding Pros Podcast. We're super excited. Um, we're at WPPI Las Vegas 2020, and we're doing a bunch of podcasting, hanging out with awesome people. And today I'm with Jonathan Snyder from Jonathan and Kay. Um, hey, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Hey, so let's just get right into it. Why do you think people aren't charging $5,000 more for their wedding films? Well, I think we all should. Everyone should just raise their pricing by $5,000. Yes. Isn't that what we were talking about before? Yes. We, well, I mean, I think... We've talked a little, and and it's like what we did for our business is we were like, I want to make more money, so I just charged more, and then now we make a lot more money, <laughs> and so that's that's pretty much that's your workshop, right? Yes. Yeah, sorry, but that was being a little bit goofy. But so the the question was like, why aren't we charging more as an industry? So as a was, as it, was it the serious <clears throat> question? The serious question is like, you know, I would say, um, what you you're a wedding filmmaker. Um, and you, how long have you been a wedding filmmaker? About four months. Four months. Just kidding. Perfect. About nine years, ten years. Yeah. So you're, you're part of that. Are you part of the original uh, 5D Mark II crew? We did have a 5D Mark II um, at the time. We actually started off, well, true story is we started off with Panasonic um, HVX 200s, I Perfect. think, back in the day. We had a couple of those. And uh, we went over to a 5D Mark II briefly, but I think we settled on a, the 60D. And um, I had we, a 60D. We kind of skipped. Do you remember the five- how muddy that was in the blacks? I still have one. I, I I forgot to sell it before I could. Well, I could still get any amount of money for it, so I still have it. I bet you couldn't sell it for fifty bucks. No, but I should do a wedding film off of it just to kind of see what it looked like. Yeah, and then prove people put like, it on put it on a Ronin. Yeah, trust me. You think your gear is what matters, and just like be that annoying guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, going. The, the thing is, it's like when I got the five D Mark III, and I was looking back at the sixty D footage. I'm like, oh my gosh, this looks terrible. It's- then when I get the Mark IV, I'm like, oh my gosh, the five D Mark III looks absolutely terrible. That's what. I, that is how th- we've had the same exact experience. Um, but so you're a wedding filmmaker, but then you've kind of found a place in the industry talking about something that I think people love. Like when we post anything about money, that's the thing people watch, right? People want to know how can I make money. How can I like and, and like pricing, packages, selling, like it's such a lot of people are very comfortable to make films and make art, work with couples, but I think they get to this place and they just they're very uncomfortable and they just they don't know what to do. So that's kind of really what we're what I'm really asking and kind of also lecturing apparently <laughs> is like what is the number one thing you've seen standing between filmmakers uh, and photographers, I guess, and charging more. We could say what they're worth, what they could get, whatever you want, however you want to put it. The number one thing that's preventing people from charging more. Yeah. Or the number two or three or whatever you feel like saying. Start with number 16. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the number one thing that I, I would say is, and this is one of the things that I like to talk about, is that filmmaking, you know, if, if you really analyze the people who are wedding filmmakers, they really fall into two camps. The, camp, uh, the first camp is um, wedding filmmakers who are artists first, and the second camp would be the, the wedding filmmakers who are kind of business-oriented first. And, you know, there, there's definitely pluses and challenges that come with both. Definitely. And, you know, the, uh, we find, I find most people, as expected, are people who are artists first and um, the, who are artists trying to run a business. I think that's how you get the hooks in them, right? Like you well, tell them you're going to have this job where you can experience freedom and express yourself and people that sounds like a good job right well for the artists it's more about um being able to just create and that's that's what their drive is their drive is to just create and just create beauty and you know they, they have to run a business and you know to some of them they, they have to get on the phone 
they have to even invoice people and like they don't even like to do invoicing. You know, obviously they don't want them. They, they definitely all, don't like to pay taxes. No, <laughs> they don't like to, who likes to pay taxes? Come on. I mean, I like it when they're paid and I'm not worrying that they're not paid. At, at, at the end of each year, you just find out what you owe and just buy a whole bunch of stuff from B&H. Yeah. And then January 1st, you return it all. So mm. you can show that you spent all of your money. Mm. I'm just kidding. Don't follow that. Don't do advice. that advice. Don't do You that. will go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, you have these, you, um, most people who are artists trying to run a business and the thing is they're doing the best job they can. I mean, cause I mean, we're not just running a business. We're doing like 47 different things. Running a business is one of them. And you know, it's just, they have, they have to do it. And a lot of them, they do their best, uh, to do it, but you know, they're focusing on the craft as artists more than they're focusing on their business. Yep. And I think people don't realize what freedom it would give them as artists if they would get this crap straight. And I, and I think like this idea of like selling out, which I, I don't really, I used to be kind of a fake wannabe musician and selling out was a very popular term. I don't really hear it much in, in the wedding creative world, but I, I think this idea of like, oh, you know, oh, I'm my ideal client. I'm going to get my ideal client. And so this couple called and they're doing luxury weddings and I don't want to work with people like that. I want to be doing elopements. And so I'm only looking for my ideal client because if you shoot anything that's not your ideal client, you won't get the weddings that you want. And like this kind of thinking that hits people where they think they're making these business decisions, but they're really making really, really poor business decisions and, and but they're trying their best. They're doing what they, I think that they think they've been told to do even. Well, because there's two two things you can pull from that. Oh, well, they, maybe they're just part-time, and maybe they just like to do five weddings a year. Sure. They like to be picky, and you know what? We would never tell them otherwise. No. But uh, the other thing you can kind of pull from that is um, just that they're probably, it probably means they're still booking enough weddings, which, you know, let's just say that they're being choosy, and they can still book enough weddings. But what, it, what that means is they're taking away from their pool of people that could be booking because they're choosing not to, and they could probably raise their pricing, you know, and stop, prevent people from booking and just, I mean, honestly, just book whoever can afford what their pricing is instead of. Yes. And ultimately, I'm all in favor of putting out into the universe what you want to receive more of, right? You want to do more adventure elopements and you never want to release your inner city weddings. I think that's very wise and smart. Do what you think is your best. Do what you think reflects best on you. Or even as an artist, you know, if you, if you don't like the fact, you don't like the thought of selling out. Maybe you live in a, an urban, a, urbanish market, but you want to be doing elopement or elopements in the mountains. And but you know, the reality is, it's like if if you're in that urban environment, you're not going to be getting enough leads for people kind of going out in the mountains. But you know, do do the weddings that are going to bring you money. But then maybe like one or two or three weddings a year you're choosing to take a cut you know, and you know, doing those weddings that you want to be doing so that at the very least you're kind of getting to do, as an artist to do what you want to do so that way you're not always doing the stuff you don't want to be doing. I think also what, in, what ends up happening as artists is, you know, it's hard to see the forest of the trees, right? It's hard to, to see that what I do today affects tomorrow that like, stop, go love. I, I've thought about it a lot and, and I'm like, objectively we're doing really well as a business, right? We're doing 120 weddings a year. And there are plenty of things we don't do very good in our marketing and plenty of things we don't, when people are talking about like Instagram, kill it on Instagram. I'm like, we don't do that good at it. And I'm like, how the heck do we get so many leads? 
why is this working so much? We don't make like these Alex and Whitney things. We've never done any of that stuff that people talk about in terms of like picking. And, and I'm like that. All I can think about is we just never say no. Mm -hmm. We just increase, 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 increase the type of client we can work with, the planners we work with. Like on any given Saturday in our region, we are working at four venues every Saturday. And, and hopefully every couple is having an amazing experience. All the vendors are having an amazing experience and all the planners know us. And every time they work with us, they love us. We're working with some of the same planners five or six times a year. Mm -hmm. That's all I can think. And I'm like, that is just a direct result of saying yes to everything. And I'm not saying everyone can do that, but I'm just saying like, um, you gotta be cognizant of that, right? For, for, for your pricing that you, like, that you, every, if you, you need enough leads to sustain the price you want to have. That's exact, exactly right. Like, it's really about like, I, somebody was telling me the other day, like, oh, I close on 70% of my leads. <laughs> and they're probably already, they're, they're pretty much booked up for, uh, for the year, like by like Christmas or New Year's Eve. The, the year before the years even began. Well, they thought it was some great thing that they closed on 70% of the leads. I mean, it, it's still great. I mean, well, don't get me wrong. It's great that their business is doing well enough that, that they're booking that much. But the message, of course, has to be, um, and it, you know, just most filmmakers don't realize that, that if you're booking that high of a percentage of your leads, you're vastly underpriced. Or you're super vulnerable. Vulnerable? Yeah. Like as a business, you're one problem away from getting no lead. You don't have enough leads to sustain any problems. If the market changes a little, if some company comes in, big company comes in and is like, they're gonna do as good as you for half your price. You need enough leads to, to sustain your business through storms and through problems, through changes in styles. Say you're really stylized and you're closing a really high percentage of these leads and then you're not cool anymore at some point. If you have 100, if you have 200 leads a year, you know, and you're closing 15, 20% of your leads, right? That's enough touch points for you to actually maintain your pricing and you can endure business problems. And I thought you meant like they were getting like a thousand leads a year. They book like a hundred of them and then they're just literally like just ignoring the rest of the leads. Oh no, off the they're cards. literally, these people are like, I know, I've heard this several times, people booking like 15 weddings a year who get like 20 inquiries who think that's the best thing in the world. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that's, I mean, I'm not unhappy for them. I'm glad that they got these, basically those are one-to-one -one connections, right? That's some planner or some friend that you already worked with, like you're of course gonna close that lead. We close 80% of our platter leads. Like if a planner sends it, we're gonna close that lead. Mm -hmm. That's not realistic. I gotta get leads from the wild too. Right, right. And it's like a lot of people, when they think about pricing, they don't think about opportunity and creating demand for your product. Like it kills me when I have to turn leads down because we're booked. I mm -hmm. hate that. I hate that. It kills Just me. Hire more people, right? Yeah, I know. I wish. I like we have. I have a little bit of an equation there, but it's like, it's like if I can get thirty weddings, then I can get another person. When I can grow by thirty weddings. I can hire another person. I mean, it's really great hearing about the business model you run. Uh, we all know it's not for everyone, but no. it seems like you're doing a really good job at it. Well, it isn't for everyone. I what I do think is for everyone is at least like understanding lead generation. Right, and actually. Um, I do a lot of package reviews for people, um, you know, kind of like gauging. I, I even created a worksheet a little bit ago. I don't know if you got a chance to see it. I, I think your package review stuff is awesome. Thank you. And you know, the, the big, the, the, 
a lot of people come to me and say that they're not getting the pricing they want, they're not booking enough weddings, and probably about 90% of the time that people tell me they're not booking enough weddings or they're not getting the pricing they want, it always comes down to inadequate lead generation. You know, when I ask them, I say, well, okay. You know, and, and sometimes I, I admit it's one of the last questions to ask <laughs> and trying to figure it out what's going on. But then I ask, I say, well, what, what is your lead generation like? And, you know, they tell me they might get like five to 10 leads a month. And, you know, I'm like, well, it's definitely, and you need to bump it up. I mean, I want to be in a place where I'm, you know, for, for us and our brand, I want to be getting upwards of at least 150 to 200 leads a year. And, you know. Real leads, by the way, like someone who filled out a form, not someone who just, I don't know. Like real leads. You have, you have to qualify as a business what you qualify as a lead. Right? Well, that's just someone filling out a form yeah. or <clears throat> someone emailing us direct, whether it's a planner, a past client, or some, something like And your pricing that. is somewhere around, like, where do you, where do you, where do you kind of want to land on a wedding? Ideally, I mean, we've been averaging somewhere around um, $8,000 per wedding. Yeah, you know, 200 leads at that price point is incredible. Well, I'm not saying that all, all of them are qualified by any stretch of the imagination. Well, no, of course not. <laughs> well, that's the whole point. That's the I whole mean, point, right? You have more, like, it'd be like if, if you were a baseball player and you're, and you're at the plate and he's like, I'm going to give you 200 opportunities in home run. Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw 200 pitches at you. You probably, like, who knows? Maybe some random guy could actually hit a home right, run. Right, right. Right? But a lot of people are, like, going up to the plate and they're like, I'm going to give you, like, they're giving themselves one opportunity and you're not, like, our business, we want to be doing, like I said, 120 and eventually, I think, hopefully more at about 4,000 each. I need 600 leads a year. 600. That's how many I get and that's how many I need. And if I'm going below that, if I'm not, and also I'm tracking my contracts that I'm sending out, all these things. And I know they're not all going to close. I know mm -hmm. some people are going to be like, I don't want that. I'm more interested in that stuff than I am on my closes because that is a, that's a mark of demand. Mm -hmm. and, right. de and demand is more important even, because you can always, like, if your demand is super high and your close rate's lower than you want, that's a price problem or a or quality product. Problem. Or you suck at selling, but we're great at selling. So, like, so it, for us, it would be either price or quality. We'd be like, you know, or I'd be like, are they all associated with this one shooter? Does everyone hate this guy? You know, which, but like, I, I know that I'm starting with my leads. And a lot of people start with the end and they just start with the beginning. And that's my opinion on pricing. And so, in terms of the people you're dealing with, you're, you're coaching, you're, you're teaching, like, what's, the biggest tip you've given people to actually um, increasing their pricing and, and figuring out like how to kind of write, we will always talk about right pricing internally. It's like, we need the right price for our business. Well, actually let's step back real quick because I, I, I have a sense that a lot of people listening to this right now are saying, well, duh, we know we need to get more leads. Yeah. And the question they're asking is, well, how do you get more leads? And yeah. that's what people want to know. Yeah. And I, I, I'm like, for me, I'm always like, I literally have no idea how many, I have a couple theories for our own business in terms of your own how business. to get more leads or, or how we do or but how I don't you're know. already getting them yeah and it's like sometimes people ask me that and I'm like huh well we do the not in wedding wire because everyone said it was stupid and I was like great everyone's gonna leave that market and I'll have an opportunity to claim it um, and it's worked and so we do that because anytime someone's saying something is bad and they're like leaving a marketplace I know the brides haven't left yet so we go fill it and it doesn't work in every single market, but we advertise, like we'll do the night and wedding wire in Vermont, for instance, where mm -hmm. there isn't a big wedding culture, but I know that's the only place the bride's gonna be able to find a vendor. Maine, what, not in wedding wire, a lot. 
and then we'll kind of do a little low volume. So we do wedding wire and all that stuff. Even though it's not popular, we do probably 100 grand of business off of it every year. But I think a lot of it's just because we kept getting, because we kept saying yes, and we kept building up our, our referral opportunities. Our reputation grew so much that we were that we were able to sustain. Like when anyone calls anyone, they're like, "Oh, you should call these guys," and it just keeps happening. So you've established yourself, and, uh -huh. and that's how you're getting leads. You, Probably you're being diligent. But what about the people who are saying to themselves, "Well, I'm not established." Yes. And so I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, my business is pretty new. You know, we filmed some weddings, but we're just having trouble getting people to find us. We're getting trouble people hearing about us and inquiring about us. I feel like those are the people that we need to well, speak for, to the most. Yeah, and I think the question I have for you is the people that are coming with those kind of questions for you, how long do you think their businesses typically existed? Um, it's hard to, I mean, I guess a lot of these businesses, they're fairly new between like, you know, they just started, maybe they filmed one or two weddings or maybe they've been doing it for a couple of years, but maybe they've only been doing a few weddings a year, just kind of really slowly starting. It really depends how fast they're trying to grow you know, to grow their business. We did five weddings, eight weddings, 10 weddings. That was our first three years. And it's like, where's the Bible verse? Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Yeah, do not despise small beginnings. It's, it's, yeah. it's right. You know, you gotta start somewhere and just getting that many, it doesn't, you know, at first it's just like, you don't care what you're booking, what, how much you're charging, you just need to get experience, you need to get yeah. out there. Uh, but I think it's, I thought of it's a manufactured pressure. Like, I think a lot of this discussion at the beginning, you take what you can get. And I think that's what I tell people. It's like, you need to need to work because you need reps. Like you need to learn about sales. You need to learn about shooting. You need to learn about pressure and understanding the pacing of the day and all that stuff. I think come after three years, I think you would start to understand, you'll start to get some leads. You'll start to get some stuff and like doesn't mean like year one we were we were going to wedding shows we were doing everything we tried everything our first year and the thing i will say to someone is i don't know if this is popular but i didn't pay myself for the first three years i think i we made like i think probably 80 100 100 it's between two guys by the mm -hmm. way and our first and that's including commercial work that we did in the first three years of our business and we paid ourselves i think like two thousand four thousand four thousand in the first three years of our business out of almost 300 grand. That's why we built, because we bought, we just kept buying kits, kept buying kits, because we were like, this is what we want to do. We want to scale this thing. We bought any, we, if my, this is just what we did, and I'm not saying everyone should do this. If I call the knot, they say, what's our biggest package? I go, okay, give me that. I'm putting all my money into this because I need to evaluate what truly works and I don't want any excuses. I don't want at the end of the year to say like, if I would have bought a better package, I would have got more leads. I want to know this is crap. I'm not going to do it again. And we spent our first four or five years really focusing on learning how to be successful. Mm -hmm. And we didn't focus on making money. We focused on, because I knew we were going to stick with this thing and eventually we would figure out how to be successful. And, and I know that's not very tactical and it's not like the most like, concise advice for someone. But I think a lot of it is like, stop worrying about that and start worrying about like, how many learning opportunities are you giving yourself to understand your market? The other thing I would say is, and I'm sure you talk about this with people a lot, looking at something like um, the wedding, wedding dot report. Looking seeing how we're like averaging like how much, like $1,400 a wedding or 
$800 wedding or whatever it is. Yeah, looking at the, but also looking, okay, that's, there's opportunity. Where are the opportunities? And then positioning your business. That's something we didn't do as well early in the years. And I think like looking where the opportunity is and trying to meet a need for a market is at the beginning will produce more referral opportunities. If I can say the, the one bit of information or advice that I would give kind of newer filmmakers, um, people not as established to kind of get that lead generation themselves is uh, in your industry, get out, know and be known. Mm -hmm. know, who, uh, know who people are. Like go to, go to whatever networking events are offered. Start to, start to know people. That's like, huge. Know planners, know photographers, florists. And be known by them. And, and the thing is, it's like the, the biggest mistake that people make is they, they find someone to know and um, they find someone to know and then they just pitch their services and hand a card and walk away. Um, it's the big, it, the reason it's the biggest mistake is because people, um, you know, other vendors, they're not referring necessarily who is best. They're referring people they like. Oh yeah. You know, honestly, that makes me think because you asked me like, Oh, what would you say? And, you know, we tried all kinds of stuff and a lot of it I would never recommend. I mean, I, I would always recommend trying things. So definitely try things. But we, the first year we started our business, we would go to tons of parties with photographers. Mm -hmm. Because we knew, we knew early on, like those were the people who needed to like us. That's true. And in your earlier years of business, photographers are some of your best referral sources of all. Oh, yeah. I, I, in the first few years, we had more leads coming in through photographers than planners, venues, anyone. Yeah, we're probably may if in our referral leads, probably fifty-fifty photographer, planner, venue. Well, in the first few years. Yeah, even for us still, <clears throat> because photographers hate videographers, and they don't like working with them. And they like we're on a couple of people's list. They're only one of like one or two people they're willing to work with. But that's why it's so important to uh, be friendly, be yes. personable. You're not pitching your services, you're pitching yourself. Yes. You're selling yourself to these people and, and you're getting them, you're not making them like you, you're just being real because you know, people wanna be real about, around each other and if, if, they, if you generally have a connection and they like you, they're gonna, you're gonna be on the top of their minds when they're referring to someone out because you know, they like hanging out with you. Yeah, and it's this idea of like, you, a, I mean, you have so much to learn from them, A, because they are doing something a little different than you and it will give you perspective on your art. Um, but B, like you have so much, there's so much opportunity there. And, and I think I've seen this time and time and time again where I'm hearing all these people ripping on photographers and it's like, and I've seen photographers do with video guys, but, but that's, I'm more, I'm in the filmmaking community more so than anything and I'll see, wedding filmmakers who don't, and I'm like, if you are willing to talk about this person to a bunch of strangers in a public forum, how much of a pain are you to work with? And like, I would never, I am not gonna bite that hand that feeds me. And it's like, that we did really well. And I would say like, that is actually, I think, if you can afford to pay some advertising and you make money and you can delay gratification, keep your day job and, and you know invest in your business, great. That's a simple tip. It just takes money. Um, maybe there's a wedding show around you that works really well. Who knows? Like wedding shows get a bad rep, but I booked the first wedding we ever booked was at a wedding show. At lower price points, you know, you should be booking something from weddings. You know, once you get above like three thousand dollars or so, it gets a little harder. The first wedding I ever booked was at a wedding show. 
I had no idea what I was doing, and I put charged fifty five hundred dollars. Well, that's that's definitely the uh, exception, not really the uh, no. No, great job on that though. I mean, <laughs> it was it, weird. It's awesome. <laughs> well, we'd like we had no idea what we were doing, and so we've like got this big corporate job. And we, we got paid a bunch of money, and I was like, we're going to kill it. We're going to go invest this. Literally, so I know nothing about wedding shows. I don't know what they're like. Now I know they're meat markets, but, <laughs> but I didn't know that. And so we're like, everyone's going to have these great booths, right? So I need to show up and, and like match them. I don't want to see my experience. We had one wedding that we shot for free. So I was like, okay, so we're going to build these. We built these tufted pink backgrounds. We had an 8 by 4 banner with our logo on it. We had all this ikea furniture and we had two giant tvs on each like thing and i remember we showed some up vintage like film cameras just for uh, no audience. we didn't have that because no. it was like very curated branding and it was like super sharp looking and we showed up and i was like oh man we're way overdressed <laughs> <laughs> but then i got that lead and i and i guess another thing for pricing is like does your brand match your price like like if you don't know what looks good with branding, if you pick bad fonts, if you don't know about color when it comes to like communicating, with, if your logo is terrible, if if you're, every time someone interacts with you from your website to your booth to your not profile, it looks sloppy and shoddy. And I will say, get someone around you who knows and has good taste in that and, and help them curate your style because I think good branding is worth just as much as good filmmaking in terms of price. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, are you still doing wedding shows? No. I, I, I sometimes think about it just because I'm like, I'm curious. What you could do, what you could accomplish? Yeah, could I do it? I, would it help? I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm, I, it would be fun. Every time, like that, I haven't done a wedding show in a number of years. It's just at the end, it just seemed like anyone who was going to a wedding show was literally just looking for the free cake samples and yeah. some like coupons, and that's. But about it's it. such a fun challenge. I'm like, what could I do? What kind of automation could I set up? Could I sell these people? How can I sell these people? What like I would love to go and just create a special price and see if like is there this huge market there? If I charge two thousand dollars, could I book thirty weddings off these people going to this wedding show? Like, that's how I think. I'm always looking at every single opportunity and trying to think, how do I get this opportunity and close it? Because they're looking for something. Mm -hmm. Like they're looking for something. They're not. They're they're not gonna go to a wedding filmmaker and be like, oh, I don't want wedding films. Well, some do, but I've had people tell me that they, they went to your, they filled out your form and they don't want to buy a wedding. Oh film. no, no, I, I thought you meant they just walked up to the booth. Oh yeah, I'm just saying in general, like if someone's gonna fill out a form or kind of become some kind of lead, they they want to buy a wedding film. And they like my work. They would buy my wedding film if they could afford it, probably, right? And I think, like, I'm always looking at that and going, like, what can I do? And I, I think that's interesting. So, so with pricing, you know, and packages, you know. Hold on, real quick, before we jump, I feel like both of us are a little random and we kind of jump all over the place. I love bit. that, though. No, I love it too. But if you are listening, though, and, you know, you're listening about the wedding shows, Diversifying your lead generation is key. Yes, you know some. You know it could be it could be really easy to fall into a trap. You get a couple planners, a couple people who are giving you a good amount of leads, good amount of weddings. You can get lazy. It could get easy. Diversify what you're doing. You know, do some ads on the not or wedding wire. Mm -hmm. Do a wedding show. 
Um, and, uh, other things to do is find some, um, if you've worked with a planner, I don't necessarily suggest cold calling planners you haven't worked with, but if you yeah. have worked with them, you know, set up a coffee date and, you know, basically just be like, Hey, I want to learn a little bit more about what you do. Uh, maybe if there's any photographers you find yourself continually running into on wedding days, set up a coffee date with them, you know? Um, and if you do a wedding show, the follow up on the list is really, is really crucial. Yeah, you have to, <clears throat> that's what I, that's what I, and if, for those that have never done a wedding show, what I was talking about is you get this list, but you also should make your own list. So you should get a list that they give you and have one bit of contact, which you should eliminate the people from your list from, by the way, because that's annoying to give people one fake contact and then a personal one. But then you should also create your own list, have your own form fill, which I recommend doing something on an iPad so that it actually will get captured. Because if you do it in writing, you probably won't transfer it digitally and also typos can happen. But yeah, I'll actually take notes um, at a show I used to, and I would actually write the names of people down who seemed like they were really in curious or really like good, hot, lead. hot leads. And then I would find, get their information after the fact and do more personalized follow-ups. But you know, the whole diversifying what you're doing at networking events, and I, I'm in Atlanta, and at networking events, I, nine out of 10 times, I'm the only videographer there. Mm -hmm. I'm the only videographer going out and doing stuff. But these are the types of things, uh, you know, like going to styled shoots. And here's the thing. Styled shoots never give you the results you want in terms no. of like, because, you know, you'll create a film, right? And you'll put your heart and soul into it. You know, one person will post it and it'll get like nine plays in Facebook. That's not why you do a styled shoot. No. I mean, and, and I, there's a time and place for participating and stuff like that. We did stuff like that when we were new and we, we developed relationships with the people who are part of it. And I tell you what, there's still people today from those relationships that we made like eight years ago who are still referring clients to us. We do probably one to two styled shoots a year. For the relationship building. Yes. When they Not say, because your film's going viral? No, that's useless. It's useless. I'm not going to book a lead off that. Nobody ever sees it, ever. The thing, what you need to understand about wedding films, if you're new, and I think this is true for photography too, is the idea, there's a place for fake wedding films that become viral and get a lot of clicks, right? But, but at the end of the day, a bride wants to be able to see herself in that moment because it's all about them. And style shoots don't accomplish that. They, they, they're, you know, I'm going to get, and by the way, for me, style shoot, they're like, oh, we're going to get a real couple. I don't want a real couple. I want an actor. I want models. Because it's like, I want to get this over with. I want to show up and do a good job and leave. But I'm going to find those. What's funny is like, there are people who, and this is huge. If you're getting started, find someone who you absolutely love their work, who hasn't gotten where they're going to go yet. And that, make them your friend in a real way. Like, and, and champion that person because like there are people who we identify early on. We're like, that's the next person in our market. Oh, you want some help? I'm going to help you. That person wins best of Boston the next year in the magazine. And then suddenly I'm their best videographer contact. And I go to all the parties they go to still. I send them things like it's being strategic with your relationships. And a lot of these things are free. Yeah. They don't, it just costs a little bit of time. It better be free. It better be free. <laughs> I don't know about these parties you're going to though. Oh yeah. We have our, our market has the planners in our market and there's like a big thing we're going to in a couple of weeks, the Boston B-List party. It's a wedding industry, huge party we throw, probably 400 people. I've never heard of anything like that. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just not getting invited. I don't know. Yeah. So, but every year, WIM events, shout out, you guys are the best. 
they're gonna call me up if and if they say, will you shoot this event for free? I will say yes every time. When they put on their, they have an event that they do for brides called WED, and it's an alternative to wedding shows. Brilliant. I'm gonna shoot that thing for them. I'm gonna serve them because not just because I want their like I want money from them, but because I like them and I have a relationship with them, and so it's genuine. And it's like looking for those opportunities is like. I'm not using them. I'm serving them. Right, right. It's a good distinction. Like you need to serve. You need to genuinely care about people. So if you're only if you're not putting yourself in social environments with these people, you're gonna have a hard time doing that. And they're and people see through that. Like they do. They do. So, so um, lead generation is huge. And, and the last thing I'll say about that is, you, we talk about. So we run a marketing firm as well, and we work with companies. So I'm a little maybe. <laughs> Some of the things that I'll be like, do, I'll just do them naturally. Do you also set up lighting? I, honestly, I wish I could. <laughs> like, we talk about it all the time. I actually talked about it with Henry Martins the other day. I was like, oh, my God, we should, like, how great would it be to run a lighting company? But a specific up lighting that doesn't mess with their cameras. Yes. Oh, brilliant. But I've talked to some planners about it. I'm like, if I started a lighting company, would you buy it from me? They're like, Yeah. Take it from the DJs. DJs are involved in everything, but let's. I like DJs. Different I like, story. I like DJs, and it's just, but they don't know cinematic lighting. Why would they, right? So we would be different. If you want cinematic lighting, we'll help your wedding, and we'll do natural stuff that doesn't create horrible banding. By the way, I apologize if I sound like a chain smoker today. You sound and, cool. You sound edgy. <laughs> well, it's it's probably sounding extra deep in this microphone. You yeah, know, got my jazz or jazz radio voice on, but. We've been hanging out in the casinos and walking back and forth to WPPI. It's and like you're just breathing in probably like five metric tons of smoke every day. It's so brutal. It's so brutal. It's so brutal. I mean, we're having a good time, but it's, it's also grueling. So what I was going to say is in marketing, when I work with companies, I always say to them, you need a 50-50 close rate, new leads, referred leads. Referred leads means you did a good job. And people like you and your service is quality. And you're like people want to continue to come back. The new lead means in the wild, I'm creating the right message. And I'm gonna and the new lead becomes the referred lead and it's just a cycle. And a lot of wedding videographers don't understand that that ratio is really critical to their business. And if they're not hitting that ratio, even and, and this is what's cool about that is you can really, really very early on start evaluating that. Very early on, probably after your first year, you can start looking and going, okay, I booked 10 weddings. Five of them were referred. Five of them came from the knot. That's awesome. If you, if you, if you got some, because those five new people might know 10 friends who are getting them the next year, and that becomes 10 more leads. And then like, like, I think that's a really quick evaluation. Like, how do I, okay, am I up to snuff? 20% close rate means you have a lot of leads. If you're working in the weddings, you want to work. 20% close rate is, is great. And do you have a 50-50 new leads to referred leads ratio? And like tracking that crap in like a platform like Tave or HoneyBook, or there's a range of them, but like using a system like that pretty early on, um, I think would also be a good investment. I would say, tell someone to make. I'm not gonna lie, I, I probably should spend more time tracking my leads and where they're coming from. I've been spending just most of my time just tracking um, Kind of like the pricing. Oh, the money you're making? The, the pricing and making sure I'm, I'm always gauging where we're at in the market with what we can pri what we're charging and like always trying to tweak it to see where we could be making more. That's and awesome. Not leaving money on the table. 
And so I, what, and I, I know you had a discussion about this uh, pricing with one of your last podcasts. And yes, I love pricing. It's one of my favorite subjects because it's like you're dealing with like a very hugely like just just such a giant subject that has so much more to do than just what do I charge, right? So so when it comes to pricing, um, like. How are you evaluating that stuff? You talk about your own business. I'm sure you're helping other people. Like, how do people know what they should be charging? It's a great question. I um, we were joking before about just you know like everyone should just like raise their pricing by a thousand. We're yeah. just gonna like fix, fix it. We're gonna fix it. We're gonna fix it. Fix the pricing. We're gonna all get together in a you know back of a warehouse one day, just all decide to raise our pricing a thousand dollars. I wonder what would happen. <clears throat> like some people would keep working, right? A lot of us would go broke. Oh, I, I mean, no, I think it would. We would go the most broke. Probably that guy <laughs> charging five hundred dollars. Maybe would be no. I don't know. Well, anyway. you know the. Um, before, uh, well, uh, what I was going to say is, you know, from the other podcast you had, uh, what, what I wanted to say about the whole, um, you know, telling people to raise their pricing. Uh, you know, it kind of it's uh, it all fit, fits in with the whole pricing conversation about like gauging and stuff like that, but. I like to take more of the approach, you know, because we're talking about how do we get the industry to raise her pricing. I like to take the approach of putting value into people who might be new or who might not understand what their value is of who they are, of their product. And I, I love to try to instill value within people to say, look, you don't have to go out and raise your pricing by $1,000, but I want you to know that the value of your product is $1,000 more than what you're charging. Because then I, I put it on them to, it, because, well, Half the, half the thing is people don't really understand what their own value is. And maybe a lot of people don't charge what they could charge because they don't feel like they're worth more than that. But I, I'm huge into instilling value within people. And I think that's an important part of the conversation about how to raise the, the industry up to getting, every, to getting people to charge more money. And the thing is, what is this all about? I want people to have successful businesses. Yeah. You know, I don't like listening to people who are talking about like how much money they're making, but they're living month to month or just, you know, that they're doing such a great job, but they're just not earning what they want to be making and they can't go full time, stuff like that. But, you know, kind of coming back to the whole question about, you know, how do we gauge? How do we gauge where we are? How do we figure out when we need to raise our pricing? Uh, the, the big metric, I mean, there's two parts of the conversation. One is how many, how many, bookings are we doing and when and then evaluating those bookings to find out you know if we are leaving money on the table i like to use a metric of being one third booked up by new year's eve and this is it's an art more than a science of how this got developed but what this means is that you know if you want to be booking 30 weddings for the next year let's just say for 2021 so by New Year's Eve in 2020, you want to have 10 weddings booked. And that's, that's usually about the booking cycle of a videographer. Photography is a lot different because you need to book up way more in advance than that. Yeah. You probably want to be close to the two-thirds, if yeah. not more. But yeah, for, because people are booking minimum year and a half out. Right. And, and that's the stigma. I mean, that's where we are as an industry. You know, yep. people book photography before videography Typically, most of the time. Typically, videography, if you don't know this, is booked fifth or sixth. In you the know, list. after things like, you know, the, the dessert bar and, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and you can bemoan that and complain about it or you can be tactical and figure out how to use it. Right. So anyway, so th that's the one thing. You know, are you booking enough weddings? And, you know, part of are you booking enough weddings is, um, you know, how many leads you're getting. We talked about that before. But then let's just say you're, you're booking 10, you, you want to get 30. 
and you have 10 booked, right? And so that's half the equation. The other half is, well, are, are you making as much money as you could be? I'm a huge proponent of packages. And, and the reason why, it, the biggest reason why I love packages so much is that you can actually utilize packages as a gauge where you're at with uh, what you could be charging in the market. Uh, for example, let's say you have this 10 weddings booked. It's the end of 2020. And when you look at it, you find out that of those 10 weddings you have booked, you know, you're booking predominantly your middle and top packages. Now, what that's telling me is that, you know, if you're booking mostly your middle and top packages, uh, people, um, people could probably afford to pay more because if, if you charge more, then you'd be booking your bottom and middle packages. Okay, so let's do this. I mean, I just said you are our, our packages. I left my phone over there. Run it, Don. We'll get it. So we're gonna we're we're gonna just live do this. You can look at our packages, and you can tell me what you think, and you can give me this evaluation. For the record, for the historical accuracy, I have not taken a look at these packages before now. No. Yeah. So 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 we. <clears throat> I had to take my phone out of airplane mode. I made a mistake one time of doing a podcast and let, and I left my watch on. Okay. And it's just like I kept bing, getting notifications. Bing, bing, bing. You know, you, you sit down and do something like a podcast, and like every single person you've ever met in life just starts reaching out to oh, you. Oh, yeah, I'm getting like, I'm blown up right now. You get like, you get like nine inquiries for like weddings, and yeah. you're, you're looking at them. All right, so, so this is uh, for Stop Go Love. This is Wait, our, did you text it or email? I, did, I texted it to you. I texted you a link to our package. And so this is a link to our pricing page, and um, we'll, we'll, we'll put up a little screenshot in the, in the YouTube thing because. You know, I've always been like, I personally think our pricing is pretty well positioned. It's doing what I want it to do. Um, but I'm fascinated about what's like someone like Jonathan thinks about it and all this stuff. Sorry, I haven't gotten it yet. Okay, so Jonathan, Jonathan's going to look at um, the Stop Go Love pricing and, and he's going to just evaluate it as if we were just a random person who is coming to, hey, so I'm really struggling, but. So how would that even work? Like, what if I said, like, I'm not struggling, I'm doing awesome, but look at my pricing. Would you do it differently than if I said, oh, I'm really I would so do it the same no matter what. Because the thing is, a lot of people actually come to me and say that they're doing fine. Yep. And when I look at the numbers, because the numbers don't lie. Yep. And when you look at the numbers, and even if they think they're doing fine, and, you know, fine could be measured in a couple different ways, and they think they're doing fine because they're booking a lot of weddings. Yep. But then that's when you get into the numbers and you realize, I'm like, well, technically you're doing good, but you could be doing a lot better. Yeah. You know, if you want to be making more money, I mean, the numbers are saying that you're, you're in high demand and people are uh, spending a lot of money in your packages. You know, they're always, they're always maxing out what they're spending. That tells me that they can be doing more. All right. All right. So finally pulled it up. Yep. A lot of information here. Wait, so this is photography and video? Yeah. So you just, you know, click on the video. Oh, right. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Jonathan's new to websites, you know, and our website is maybe terrible. To, I don't know. All right. I think I'm ready. Okay. All right. So, so you looked at all the packages and you're, you're so, 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 so give me a review. Well, I mean, what I would probably tell you is that most people are probably booking your middle. Your $3,500. Uh, I would say yes, probably. Which is actually where you want to be. Yeah. So we, we do about 120. You're about a 60 in the middle. 
uh, my goal this year is to shrink the bottom because I didn't. Uh, there's some things I didn't like about it. There's some things I do like about it because I don't want anyone to leave our referral stream. So I was like, I, I would like to do something that would just keep a person. And 80% of the people who book raw footage buy edits later. Right, and it's a good kind of like get them in, getting them into. How yeah. many people are booking your raw footage edit or package? 20 to 25. And then 80% of them are buying the same edits as if they got a recap. Because I was about to say, I mean, probably the majority of those, by the time that their wedding is here or maybe slightly past, you can probably get them at least to the middle package. Yeah, we do. Yeah, because that's they, the goal. They, and they pay more for it, actually. <laughs> they pay for more after the, more after the yeah, fact. Yeah, because it's like, you know, you're, now we have to revisit your wedding. Sometimes we, down, like we have to charge a little extra because it's more overhead. So what I'm looking for is when I'm looking at packages, I'm looking at what I call package progression. Because you want people to kind of go through the packages and say, okay, that looks good. But then when you go to the next one, they say, okay, well, that looks good too. And then and by the time they get to the last one, they're like, wow, that's, you know, this is great. And you want to have the pricing to kind of reflect the incremental upgrades between them. I, it, with a lot of people I see, you know, they'll tell me, well, nobody books my top package. And I look at it and like the only difference between like the middle and the top package is, I don't know, like one minute extra film. And actually sometimes I look at the packages and I'm like, I don't know if you notice this, but there's actually not, there's like no value in your top package because you're removing stuff out of your middle. And you know- People do that? It's all across the board. So what's your feedback about us then? Uh, you know, I'm a little iffy about the whole six to 10 hours of coverage. You know, you're giving people an awful, a pretty big spread. You know, I don't think even if you listed six hours or even if you listed eight hours of coverage on your recap package, which, which is the middle, that you know, if they need 10, you could probably get them on a couple extra hours. I mean, if you're just gonna give it anyway. So we thought about that. And this is why we don't do it that way. Because I was like, first of all, it's a competitive advantage for me. Because everyone else is real pains about hours. And we get so many closes because we're like, oh, we don't care about that. They're like, well, are you gonna charge me extra? No, no. Because I don't care. Like, it's an hour. What do I care? And my film's going to be better. And, and so we do, we, the reason we, we put 10 hours is because after that, I need to start paying my guys a little more. Which is why I'm fine with that. Because the, the problems I see are when people are offering, like, 14 hours of coverage or all-day coverage. And anyone who offers all-day coverage, it just means they've never done one of those weddings where they've literally been milked. Yes. And you, you work 16, 17, 18 hours. Yes. And you need to put a ceiling. You need at to put least. a ceiling. At least so that person knows, like, hey, I got to go. Like, and it, what's also nice is 6 to 10 means that if you feel you have everything you need after 6. That's why we do it. You can walk out of there. That, that's why we, we're like, well, whatever the story is. We just tell people. What, our pitch is, hey, we just want to tell the story. Whatever the story is. You have good package progression, though. I mean, because the top package has the teaser. It has the ceremony, toast, and dance edits. You know, that your middle package doesn't have. It also goes up to two shooters. So you have excellent package progression. You know, what people, what some people might be looking for is that, you know, it, some people might w w might prefer in the middle package to be like a four to six minute, and then the top package may be like a, a, a six to eight minute. You know, it might, it, having that little extra one to two minutes is incentive, it, it provides incentive for people wanting to spend a little bit more money. That would, be, that would be the only thing I would say. I mean, otherwise, it looks really good. Thanks. And when I said you were a 50% middle, when I really, um, when I really got into, dove into the, the top package, I realized this does have a lot of great stuff to it. This has a lot of the stuff that people would be paying after the fact for. There's no fluff. It's just solid. This, is, this is really expands upon what you're going to be uh, getting. For us, it's always about... Um, so the, the, I think this would help someone. 
with package and then we'll we'll talk about packages and then and then this will be the end of our podcast. So so when we come up with package, we're come from corporate filmmaking and corporate um, and also hourly hourly jobs for web design and marketing, right? So we have we have a web design team as well. And so that's what how we What don't you have? I don't know. I just have we have ten employees. So photo booth? Yes, we have a photo booth. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, so like um but we're, I charge everything by the hour. And that's all we did. And I was like, that's how much it is. I want to make $100 an hour. Mm -hmm. So how many hours does it take? That's my price. And that's great because when you, when you do packages, you have to make sure that you can, to some degree, justify them. Well, yeah. And I think when I see other people who I'm like, I, I'll see them and they're like, oh, oh, this is your ceremony. And I, to me, this is a missed opportunity. And this was our logic. And they're like, oh, two thousand dollars for your multicam ceremony that I have, my like edit assist edit in an and hour. People are charging two thousand dollars. I've for, seen stuff like wow. that. I've seen stuff like that. People charging like when you know like actually that's just literally real time editing basically multicam one two three one three two, you know you're not you're just I watch it double seed for all I care like, and, and we're like that actually is easy. It's really easy to do. They add that. I can give that to them, and it feels like a huge value add, but it doesn't actually have overhead. And so ours is all based on overhead. So the raw footage thing is the thing that we get crap for all the time because we give raw footage away for all our packages. Mm -hmm. Which I don't have a problem. Look, we all have something that we do. Mm -hmm. We all have something that we bend on or things that we, we kind of like push to try to get more money out of. But the, the, the goal is to run a successful business. Uh -huh. We all have different ways of getting there. Yeah, and so for the reason we do that is because I'm big into getting a person to buy their linear edits post. We have a campaign. Oh, your wedding anniversary is coming up. Get your ceremony. You didn't buy that, right? So I have to shoot it. So I have to have a reason to shoot it. And so if and I have four teams. So if everyone knows, everyone's getting all their raw footage, and that's a deliverable. Also, every one of our packages, we don't do anything at the bottom level that we don't do the exact same way at the top mm -hmm. level. We just because you want them. to be able to upsell later. Yes. <clears throat> so we we do all our upsells, and also process wise, we shoot nothing differently. Everything is shot exactly the same way, no matter what we sell. So I send a guy out, he has to shoot it exactly the same way. Raw footage package or love story. The only difference is there's an extra shooter there. But mm -hmm. I'm like, set your tripod up, roll the whole time. Because if you don't have it, you can't sell it. I can't sell it. And so we, I did the math and we were doing $50,000 in post-wedding upsells. For how many, different, how many weddings a year? 120. That's nice. And, and like, I was like, oh my God, it's a big part of our business. And it's like, that was eye-opening to me. Really, and, and like, it really blew my mind. That's just add-ons. $50,000 in a la carte, just add-ons. People are just buying like all these little things. And so, and then we don't have a big a la carte menu. It's very small. It's like, oh, drones, second shooters, and then $200 per event that they want to add on. Oh, you want a speech? I'll give you a speech. Did a wedding in, in San Francisco. It was just, you know, a basic package, $3,500 package. They spent $2,000 in post. Right? That stuff can happen, guys, if your pricing is super, super clear and the person knows what they're buying. And exactly what you said, you communicate value through your pricing. And you know, anyone who's listening, I, 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 
you could probably be earning 15 to 20% more on your bottom line just by doing good upsells. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people talking about how they don't earn enough money with their business. They want to be making more. You know, sometimes you can say, well, you need to be booking more weddings. Sometimes you can say you need to be charging more. But sometimes you just need to say, well, maybe I need to focus more on upsells to try to earn more money that way. Yep. 15 to 20% more. So if you're earning $100,000, you could probably be earning 115, 120,000. Uh, easily just by doing upsells and giving people an opportunity. Yeah, to buy. and they need to be value based. Like, they need to like communicate, like exactly what you said about packaging. I think goes into upselling and a la carte and whatever you want to do there. <laughs> which is like, wait, I thought so. I get that here, but then I buy the more expensive package and I don't get it, and it costs. People will do this. So this I get, and it costs me three hundred dollars. But then when I buy it a la carte, it costs me twelve hundred and. Because then it shows value, then it gets, um, or it shows the value in the packages and it gets people to spend People more. will shred through your prices and they'll do the math and like, you need to make sure it holds up. So, so, you know, we went through a lot of stuff today. A what lot of we stuff. Talk about? We crossed a lot of the desert of pricing and packages. And, well, yeah, and, and definitely we want people to know, I mean, just with the whole package thing. And I know you do, I commend you for doing a lot of business education, by the way. You know, you know, with the podcast, you know, there's a huge emphasis on business with what you do. I love it because, you know, we need more of it. It's not as sexy as, you know, talking about color. Believe in your dreams. Lights or, you know, whatever, you know, creative things we could be talking about. But business is so needed, uh, that type of education in this market. Well, and I, I, it sounds like like I'm negative about people and their jobs and, and cynical about like pursuing things that are more passion-based, but I'm really not. Because what I really want people to believe is like there is an opportunity. In every single environment, there is an opportunity. And if you look at any people who became extremely wealthy – Usually they became extremely wealthy during a time where everyone else was becoming extremely unsuccessful because Interesting. in challenges, that's where the opportunity is. And so for you and your own business, like if there's a challenge there, there's really an opportunity there to go like, oh, people aren't willing to buy this package anymore. Can I just do less? If you do an hourly evaluation of your business and you're like, okay, I'm just gonna do half as much work and charge half as much and then I can book twice as many weddings. You're doing the same amount of work, you know, not necessarily because you have to show up a couple more times. Maybe you have to work a little harder, by the way. Don't be a baby. If you need to work harder, work harder. But like, but at the end of the day, like there's an opportunity there. If you start to understand your business and understand the opportunity that's sitting there, you can actually find a solution. And like, I really do believe that. I believe like, I don't know that everyone can make, I don't believe that the whole industry can make $3,000 on average. Well, you do or you don't? No, I don't believe that. I, I think there's that would be three times the average price right now. And, right. I, and I think that's brides don't have that kind of money. But well, I we, do believe more people can. I believe that we can mm -hmm. like say I think it's right now eight percent of the market spending more than three thousand dollars on wedding films. That can grow. And I also believe that there's a lot of opportunities. If you want to be a grinder and you want to work fifteen hundred dollar weddings and you want to shoot forty weddings a year, you're making an awesome living. You are making an awesome living. But kind of what you are saying before about, you know, it's impossible to, for everyone to do a $3,000 wedding. You know, we were talking about this actually before we were rolling, but, <clears throat> you know, it's possible that, you know, the, the, the budget for the weddings is, never, is not really going to change much. You know, we're not saying that, you know, all, magically everyone's going to have a higher budget. 
But you know, if we continue to all run better businesses and be better at branding and selling ourselves and lifting up the the whole wedding videography field, I mean, we might be able to get a bigger percentage of what, I certainly the wedding think budgets. That is what needs to happen. That's what needs to happen. That is what needs to happen. If you really look at it, it's not that we're not charging enough. It's not that or all these things. It says that we're not taking enough a big enough piece of the pie yes. that's going into wedding budgets because, you know, photographers getting a big chunk. And then, you know, that's just off the initial booking. I mean, the venues are ridiculous. You know, um, so many other vendors are doing, are, so many other vendors and so many other, you know, people in play here are doing a much better job at selling themselves, selling upsells, and, you know, getting maximum amount of the pie before we're even booked. Well, and also their market is so established and mature. Yeah. Like a vendor, like, and we need to, I, I always say, like, filmmakers got to cut themselves a little slack because our market is a baby market. We're a baby business, like, industry. I think there's, like, well, you know, it's very small in a revenue standpoint compared to the rest of the industry. Um, like, maybe a, mil a billion dollar industry at the most. And, and like, that's small, how many weddings there are. But it will change and it will evolve and it will, like, I don't think that wedding films are going to be less relevant. No. Like, I think they'll become more relevant. We were just talking, um, Alex and Whitney Douglas were just on stage at the Cannon booth at WPPI and giving a statistic about how much um, more uh, f films and video is going to be um, at the forefront of, like, social media. And, like, it, I forget the actual statistic. We can Much numbers. Later. But it's, like, five times – video is five times more important, like, every year. So, I'm butchering it. Anyway. There was a really good stat about that. It was really you should good go stat. check it you out. You should go check it out. Talk Somewhere. to Alex and Whitney. Go private message them right now. Everyone private message them right now. Um, but, again, you know, it's, like, there, there's, a big, there's a big piece of the pie. We're getting, we're getting a, a relatively small piece. But as, the, as, the, as we mature as a organiz, an organization, as, we, as an industry, industry – and we, you know, we, I don't want to say we all, we rise the tide. I mean, there's a lot of negative connotations, but as we do better jobs of selling ourselves, the branding becomes more refined, all that stuff, all that stuff. I really do believe we can get a bigger piece of the budget of weddings. I totally agree. Thereby, you know, we can increase all of our averages. And who knows what that ceiling is, but I do think like there's a lot of careers there for a lot of people. And I think like, I always just come back to like gratitude. Right. And it's like, if you're feeling ungrateful, go check yourself a little bit and start from a place of gratitude and then work on your business. Like, don't start from a place like, oh, I need better gear. Oh, I need this person. Like these people are taking this wedding photographer. If only they would care about me as much as wedding photographers. Yeah. And I'm like, work with it. So that's the highlight right there. That, that, that'll be the yeah. piece that you put on. But I'm always going to these people. I'm like, just go kiss that photographer's butt and make them love you. And then it's the same as you. But you don't even have to, you don't even have to be fake about it. No. I mean, they're just looking for real connections yeah. like the rest of us are. And these people are awesome. I love these photogra my photographer friends. Like, There's often times where I'm, you know, I get excited about the wedding when I find out who we're working with. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And I realize, oh, my gosh, we're working with this photographer. And like, all of a sudden, I know the day is going to be great. As my team goes out, I get text messages from photographers. I'm with Caleb. He's so cute. I love like, you know, the Snap Girls and all our, like, all our photographer friends. That they're, and like, your team did so great. We love you. We love you. We love you. And like relationship building, relationship building and making friends. And so 
it's weird how that really, it always circles back to that. And we, in our podcast too, is always about people. It's always about relationships and like. It's the best way to build a business. Mm-hmm. And like, you want to be, and I think like, give yourself grace for your business um, and patience, you know? And I think, I always tell people, I go, it's a five year line. If you can get through five years with your business, you will have learned enough and things will start to get easier. And after like, if you can get to eight years, you'll have a flow. And like, I know that that seems like infinite time for some of you, but I'm just saying like, don't quit. It takes about five years to start having a successful business in this industry. Yes. Even if you're making money, you know, just even paying off your gear, getting all the gear you want. It's about five years. Yeah. And so like, I will like, if you're hearing this, hopefully it's a little encouraging. I also hope it's a little challenging and maybe, um, pushes you a little, but I also think at the end of the day, be patient with yourself, be patient with your business. That is as much as it seems like a bad tactical tip, it's actually super tactical because it'll change your emotional state and it'll let you focus on your clients in a way and not worry and worry and worry and spend all these time text typing up these stupid Facebook posts that aren't going to help your business at all. But you know, it will help, you know, analyzing your packages, analyzing your pricing. Let me ask, would it help um, would you want to do some, uh, when you post this to like Facebook, do you want to do some package reviews? Like in the, um, I would love that. You're, are you, are you in the group? I'm in a group. And what, what I'd love to do for you guys is, and, I, and I've done this before and, you know, maybe you've already been part of that. Um, but you know, I'm going to post a link to, um, a, a spreadsheet that I created. Mm-hmm. If you guys want to fill out the spreadsheet and, you know, post some of your, uh, what you're charging, you know, let's do some package reviews because, in, even if it's not your package, there's so much, kind of like with the same thing with the, uh, the live film judging, even if you're looking at someone else's, there's so much to be learned. There's so much information that, that can help all of us, you know, because you might look at someone else and be like, oh, well, that's a mistake I'm making too. And I realize it. So I'm going to correct course and, you know, start doing something yeah. differently. Or you might go like, I'm going to do a raw footage package, but I have none of the upsell strategy, none of the recording strategy, none of, it's not like, the strategy behind what you're like, we only did that raw footage package so that I could advertise starting part at of your 19 right, 99 Because right. that is a price perception, get them in the door, help them feel comfortable. Then we had to talk to them about payment plans and all this stuff. And it's like, I wouldn't recommend everyone do that. So you're like, there's no one size fits all for pricing strategy and packages. So wherever you're listening to this, unless it's strict podcast, you know, um, we're gonna post a link to some stuff. Let's do some uh, package reviews in yeah. the Facebook group. Or? Yeah, so here's what I would say to you. Um, the best way to get to that Facebook group is head over to YouTube. And in every one of our videos on the podcast, we put a link to the Facebook group. You can click on the Facebook group, go join it, and then you can. Um, we're going to make a post. We'll probably you know, do a kind of a dual. Here's the podcast, and also we're going to submit some stuff. Um, Jonathan will kind of jump in there, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, no, I love to do this for you guys because you know, there's it, it so much good stuff that can come out of this. I, I, you know, Jason and I both really care you know, le- legitimately. We like helping people out. We like encouraging people. We like uh, help, helping to, you know, a little bit, tweaking with the business. Let's all go out there and run really great, successful businesses. Let's all like encourage each other to do better, to earn more, and to just be, you know, better us and better business people. And yeah, I'm probably not that articulate when I'm saying that. No, I mean, at the end of the day, it's about vulnerability, right? It's like you need people you can be vulnerable with, and hopefully, <clears throat> as wedding professionals and wedding creatives. Um, do you do photography packages as well? 
We used to do. I mean, technically, they still exist, but we kind of priced ourselves out of the market. No, I'm talking uh, for price packaging. Oh, reviews. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I used to be a photographer. Some I'm fluent uh, for the most part with photography packages. So, you know, whether you're a photo photographer, videographer, whether you have separate packages or joint packages, you know that this all works together. So please don't f uh, feel free to ask any sort of questions. There's no questions too small. To it, it, please do not feel like. You know you're new. You're new, and that it, you're asking a stupid question. There are there are no stupid questions. You know I'd rather you ask what might seem like an obvious question so that you can learn. And, and honestly, if you have that question, there might be others who have that there question. Definitely are. And so it's a great experience for us all to kind of just like you know talk about different things. I just submitted myself people. to it, so you should definitely do it because it's a huge. I submit myself to it like yeah. every, every couple months. Yeah, go for it. Ask our questions about, you know, is this working? And then that's what we all need to be doing all the time. Um, so hopefully the nerds love this podcast because I like nerdy stuff, but I also hope for you guys that are trying to run successful business that you just were able to do it. Definitely subscribe, do all the YouTube stuff, do all the, you know, op Apple podcast stuff. Give us, and you know what I really love is if you guys can just give us a review and give it five stars. And I mean, that means it's going to get in front of more wedding creatives who need to kind of hear this kind of content. So have an awesome day, guys.